Uh, does he have a tattoo of himself on his neck? <laughs> Did I see that right? For real? Yes, Nate. No. No, no way. Okay. Pause everything. <laughs> to the computer. Well, welcome to Movies on the Side, listeners. We know you missed us because we had a bye week. We're back. That's right. Actually, if you were around last week, we did try to record an episode. Oh, yes, we did. We had the kind of delay that it was like talking through time, a wormhole. Yes. Yes. (laughs) It was very challenging. We tried to make it work. We couldn't do it. And so there's there's an episode out in the ether. I'll put it on the Patreon. There's, there's a, we, we talked, we got to have like one brief conversation about right. achieving things. Our bosses almost fired us. That's right. Those who support us. Thank you for staying with us a week. Not to toot our own horn too much, but I think we have been very consistent through the now almost two years. Oh, yes. We tried doing it while you were recording it out of a tour bus. I was, I was literally sitting in the back of a bus, hot spotting in traffic in far, far north Georgia, southern Tennessee, and the, the cellular data was not having it. The no Joe. Right. It was not having it. Blew through my data cap all in a <laughs> single attempt to podcast. <laughs> and much like in Indiana Jones Last Crusade, I had to say to Stephen, Indiana, let it go. Mm. Because Stephen really wanted to try to make it work. <laughs> we tried FaceTiming, we tried all sorts of things. And I said, our listeners will forgive us one week. That's right. We won't do it two weeks in a row. We're back. No, no. That's right. Because we care about you. Yes. And we thank you for listening. So listen, give us five stars on Apple Podcasts (laughs) if you love the show. If you don't want us to ever take another break again, you better rate and review. We're holding our podcast ransom. That's right. We're the comments. I believe. Hostage? There it is. Hostage? Something like that. I believe your dad has rated us three or four times now in an attempt to, to boost our rankings. From different accounts. Yeah, I don't know, I don't know how many times it counts. But, but uh, yeah, go rate us in uh, Apple Podcasts if you haven't already. And thank you, uh, Mr. Baranowski, for rating us about four or five times. Indeed. We appreciate it. Yes. Thanks, Dad. Well, I was so excited when you texted me <laughs> last night to say that you were watching the 2002 movie, The Time Machine, starring Guy Pierce. I was by myself mm. in the home. Mm-hmm. My wife had to work late, and I was cruising through Amazon Prime. And sometimes I think to myself, if I'm going to watch a movie, it should probably be a movie that we're going to do on this podcast. Yes. If I have an opportunity to watch a movie, and I saw it come up, and I thought of you, and I thought, I'm not sure how to give you, Stephen, more joy than to text <laughs> you, I'm watching Time Machine right now. <laughs> I honestly was ecstatic. I don't know why it was unreasonable to be excited, but I love that you watched this movie because it is one of my favorites. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why. Well, I do know why. This movie came out in 2002. I was in high school, so very impressionable rose-colored glasses era. Yep. But uh, And it's got time travel, and it's got those uh, early 2000s special effects that I love so much. Does it ever. But Nate, I will say I was rather disappointed when I looked this movie up on Rotten Tomatoes and saw 
that this thing got 29% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yep. And 37 from audience. Yep. I, I read a, a couple of the reviews that were a little farther down the page. <laughs> I feel like this could apply to a lot of movies in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. Maybe some that we've even reviewed before. But Dennis Lim, the movie reviewer, said this about the time machine. If it's remembered at all, it will be as a time capsule of early 21st century blockbuster cowardice and redundancy. <laughs> Strong words. There was really something happening around this time. Uh, Planet of the Apes was in 2001. Mm. Mark Wahlberg. Well, this was shortly after The Matrix. League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. It was kind of a... Ah. I don't know. There's a little bit of kind of renewing... Well, renewing old IP, but also like this traveling through time. I think there was an, a couple other like bit of time travel things happening mm. around here. There was also, uh, apparently, I'm looking now at other movies that came out this year. The first Tobey Maguire Spider-Man mm-hmm. came out in 2002. Signs with Mel Gibson and Joaquin Phoenix. Do you have any intention of seeing that new Joker movie out of curiosity? Oof. It's on the verge for me. I think I may at some point in time. People are saying it's very, very good. I hear it's very good, but at the same time, those who say it's very good also say it's very disturbing. Mm-hmm, right. So it's a really, it's a balance for me. It may be a future, it's definitely not a, a theater right. visit for me. It may be a future... Rental, yes. Rental on a bright, sunny afternoon. <laughs> right, exactly. With a palate cleanser in, you know, ready to go. That's right. Nate, 2002 was a big year. I'm, I'm looking through. You got The Born Identity came out in 2002. You have Men in Black 2, Minority Report came out that year. I can't believe these all came out the same year as The Time Machine. I know. Catch Me If You Can. I thought this movie was a 1998 movie. No, no, no. The Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers came out in 2002. And <sighs> this is for you, Jacob. Episode 2, Attack of the Clones came out this year it was a big year hold on a second are you telling me because i remember the scene from two towers with the orcs absolutely being birthed out and that whole scene oh that's very disturbing that was happening the same year as these orcs (laughs) it was and let me tell you these orcs don't look anywhere near as good (laughs) as the lord of the rings orcs that is correct it's also broad daylight in the time machine when they show the Morlocks, and that was probably not a wise choice. It's possible that all the people who are really good at orc-like monster creation were busy uh, with that's right. two towers. Hey, do we have any orc guys here? <laughs> Boss, they're all on loan right now mm. <laughs> in Lord of the Rings. Do we have anybody? We got the guy who did Kermit the Frog <laughs> recently. Oh, I get him. We have this Spencer's employee. He volunteered to <laughs> dress up. Some- okay. Uh, no, I just want to. I want to say right here before we lambaste bast those lambast. Mm-hmm. Yes. The orcs in this movie. Yes. I just have to say, reading some behind the scenes stuff, the people who were working on them, there was a late change in the the look of these monsters, the the uh, Morlocks. Okay. And I think they were also never meant to be shown in the daylight. Mm. So there was a, like, they were not happy. The people who created these monsters weren't happy with how, like there were some budget restrictions and then the way they were filmed. I see. They weren't happy with how they looked at the end. So I kind of feel bad for them because 
the vision was there and perhaps the execution was a little muddled. Yeah. Well, there's so much to this movie besides the Let's start at the beginning. Let's do this. <laughs> I want to start at the beginning. This movie stars Guy Pierce. And then this is a remake. This is an H.G. Wells novel. And there was an old Time Machine movie. 1960. 1960, right. So this is a new one. So I've not seen or read either of those things. This is my only experience. I have done a little bit of research into the original book. Okay. Uh, and into the book by H.G. Wells, whose great-grandson, Simon Wells, directed this movie. What? Think of that. Wow. Simon Wells is the great-grandson of H.G. Wells. He directed this movie... Uh, or at least most of it. And like apparently Gore Verbinski from Pirates of the Caribbean came in to finish it because Simon Wells, there was some like extreme exhaustion. He had to like step away from the filming for a bit. Oh my. Put everything into this movie. But yeah, isn't that cool? That's my amazing. My grandpa wrote this book. I love this movie even more. And now he's rolling over in his grave. But anyway, so <laughs> but the original book by H.G. Wells and what happens is the time traveler kind of goes to the future, sees all these things, keeps going, keeps going, keeps going to when like the sun becomes a red giant, burns out, kind of just sees the end of it all. Oh. And then jumps back to the present day. And it's, I think it's less about, I don't think it's anything about saving his fiance. Oh, really? Or going back in time. He was, it's just about time travel. He comes back, goes to this dinner party, talks about how like, see, I did time travel. And he shows like a flower that Mila gave him or something from the future. And they all believe him. And then like the story within the story is that uh, the guy who told the story at the dinner party was actually the old guy who did the first time travel. But his second version of himself went off to time travel again. And they've never heard of him again. So like the final twist is like the guy who is telling him the story is not technically the same guy who was at the last dinner date huh. a week later. And that's H.G. Wells's. Well, I kind of like that story a little better. I think it was a little bit more about time travel. Not Well, we'll get into it. <laughs> so Guy Pierce, who plays Professor Alexander, he is a smart guy, interested in, in science and stuff, but he has a love interest. And so the movie begins with him meeting his love interest in the park, proposing, giving her the moonstone, and then tragically a robber, uh, there's a struggle. He tries to rob him, and she is shot. Kind of a nice robber, except for the gun part. <laughs> he was very polite until he killed Emma. I wish you the very best. Thank you. Yeah, and much as I hate to do this, moved as I am by your protestations of love, I'll be needing your money now. Flash forward four years, and... Alexander is trying to figure out how he can go back in time and save her. Friend comes over, which I liked the friend. Did you like the friend, the guy? Yeah. I've his seen thing. him in a, a few other things. Mark Addy plays David Philby, yes. his friend. I thought he was a good, yes. like, you know, a good friend comes over and make sure you're not uh, drowned <laughs> in your work, I guess. Right. I don't know. You're not doing the uh, the aviator. He, uh, Howard Hughes. Howard Hughes, yes. You know, Howard Hughes, where you're putting your own fingernails in a jar after you cut them. You know, you're going to make sure yeah, you're not doing that exactly. kind of stuff. Get it. Right. That's what friends are for. Friends, make sure <laughs> friends don't ever put their fingernails in a jar. <laughs> it's true. So, oh, by the way, his friend in Downton Abbey, uh, actor in Downton Abbey. I don't know if you remember spotting him. Is it in a later season? Yeah. Uh, maybe. So four years after his fiance 
is killed. His friend comes over, checks on him, and he says, give me a week. And we find out that Alexander has built the time machine. And he's going back to try and save his fiance. I wonder if we'll ever go too far. With what? With this, with all of this. No such thing. And so he goes back, takes her out of the park so she doesn't get shot. Says, uh, listen, go home, go straight home, yada, yada, don't do this, whatever. Goes to get her flowers, and then she gets hit by a horse cart. Okay, we pause right here. Yes. Steven, if you had a time machine. Yes. And your fiance died, and you're thinking to yourself, I'm going to go back and stop this from happening. How many times would you have to attempt saving her, and she dies, before you say, all right, I guess she will always die? Like, how many attempts do you have to make before you go, just got to make sure it's not a coincidence. <laughs> Is, would two be all you need, or would you try, like, 20 times? I feel like five to ten would be a reasonable amount. I agree. I think he, get, he made, uh, as a scientist, he tried one time, and she died in a completely different way via horse carriage trampling. Well... Here's the thing, in the conversation, when his friend comes to see him uh, down in some basement or whatever, he says, I've, se- I've watched her die a thousand different ways or whatever. Oh, so he did try. So he did try multiple times. and We just found- don't see it. Right. So just in that brief oh. line, he implies that he's done it like a hun- hundreds of times, apparently. Got it. So, yes, yes. Okay. So he did try okay. many okay. times. Okay. That's, that, that closes up that plot hole. I'm, I'm, ex- now, I'm feeling great. Your question made me think of something I've never thought of before about this movie. Okay. I I wonder if he ever tried to bring her back to the time machine with him and take her into the future. (gasps) I feel like... No, I don't think it will work. The paradox here that we learn later from wonderfully creepy Jeremy Irons is that the reason why it can't work is that the only reason he made the time machine in the first place is because she died. So if she never dies, he never makes a time machine. You built your time machine because of Emma's death. If she had lived, it would never have existed. So how could you use your machine to go back to save her? You are the inescapable result of your tragedy. Of all the time travel movies we have seen i feel like this one has the best explanation and consistency for the time travel cause time machine-ness would you agree i feel like that's a pretty tight tight loop about why she keeps dying yeah not satisfied uh it's interesting i think it's interesting i wish it was explored a little bit more sure and there was another example of something i don't know that, if that, 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 that's the only example feels a little loosey-goosey for me. Now, I, one other th- idea. If instead of going back and taking Emma to the future, if he went back and then went with Emma into the past and basically lived a life where no one knew them, but it was like 50 years before that. Oh. I wonder if she would okay. stay alive because he would not have invented the time machine for another 50 60 years you know what i mean right right no i'm i'm, I'm with you uh I, let's jump real quick to the moral of the story because we talk about time mm. travel a lot 
Yes. Is is what Alexander learned in this movie is that you can't go back and change the past. Like that's bad, messing with the past. But you can look ahead go to the future and like try to impact the future. <laughs> we are all time there was something about like your memories are your way to the past and your dreams are your way to project you into the future. Listen, wait a minute, wait a minute. You, we that are was all actually, time travelers. I actually enjoyed that line. So don't ruin this for me. So let me get it right. Weird Jeremy Irons is there uh, looking like Sauron. Mm-hmm. And he says, We all have our time machines, don't we? Those that take us back are memories. And those that carry us forward. I I mean, I do like it. And what he gives to the future people is that he teaches them how to aspire to something in the future, to have, right? To have dreams. So I I feel like you're getting somewhere. The the moral of the story, you can't get away from the determinism of the choices that you make. So, you know, he goes, at the very end of the movie, he flies forward like what three million years or something right and and finds that it's just a wasteland and the orcs the morlocks the morlocks have just taken over the world and so he goes back to eight hundred thousand whatever and kills them all in the hopes that that will change the future i wonder if i don't know i wonder if that actually makes the difference does seeing the future and going back to the present mean you can change the future or is that going to happen no matter what? Is going to happen no matter what? Because apparently knowing what happens and going to the past, I mean, you can't change that. So, yeah. Should you care about the people that leave, that live their lives 800,000 years after your life? Because there's a part of me that goes like, sorry, man, world's dying. I'm heading back. <laughs> My thing is, the premise is that 800,000 years has created two races from humans. The Morlocks are very different over 800,000 years. Yes, yes. The surface, the surface dwellers... Not pretty, so much. <laughs> ...pretty much the same. They just lost English. They lost English, and they're, they've been farming for 800,000 years. I feel like if you just look at the history of the world now, uh, just a few thousand years, and we get out of the agriculture age pretty quickly. So I don't... I don't know. That, that seems strange. Well, no. Here's, here's why that happens. is because mm. the Morlocks are killing the people who show any amount of ambition. So they're kind of like controlling the genes of their sheep oh. by any sheep. That's why the the hologram guy baws at the little kid right. because anyone who has any aspirations or fights back or has any motivation about tomorrow, they don't even know the word tomorrow. Mm. Those are the ones who get marked, taken and eaten and marked oh, so they okay. can control their quote unquote livestock. That's why, that's why they do the blow dart thing and mark them up. They are very different, Jeremy Irons and the monster people. Yes. Similarities would have been a little better. His brain is on the outside of his spine, I guess. <laughs> is that what that was? He's got more brain. Right. A lot more brain he's going got, down yeah, there. He's got a lot of brain. A lot of brain. Okay. We got to go back. We got to go back. Time machine backwards. Yeah, this, All right. <laughs> this is making the movie sound way worse than I really thought it was <laughs> because focusing on that. But anyway. Oh, I thought we were making it sound cooler. Okay. Carry on. <sighs> 
anyway, he can't save her, realizes no matter how many times he goes back, he can't do it. So he goes to the future to try and find the answer as to why he can't change the past. He thinks the future will have it. And so yes. one of my favorite sequences in the movie is he goes to the future to the year 2030. Now, mm. there is a montage. This is right up in your wheelhouse. Oh, absolutely. I got so many thoughts. So the montage from 1900 to 2030, we see this time lapse of his immediate surroundings and his house changing over those hundred so years. And then we right. see the city changing. Sim City navigate, like a Sim City uh, animation of the That's city right. being built up. Two interesting things I thought. he The locket gets dropped uh-huh. with the picture of Emma in it out of the bubble and he reaches to grab it. You see his fingernails start growing quickly. Oh, I think I missed that. Oh, yeah, yeah. The locket fell out of the little bubble because apparently the mm-hmm. bubble stays in time. Everything around the right. bubble is you know, moving. So he reaches out of the bubble because the locket dropped and his hand starts to get a little older and his fingernails grow, which you never see later. You know, I was always curious to see what it would look like if he had one old hand and like... <laughs> yeah, some skin <laughs> spots, some liver spots on there. Yeah, just long fingernails. So while you're traveling, while you're time traveling with this sweet looking time traveling chair, which I have to say... Yes. So that time machine was actually the most expensive prop up till that point in 2002, which I think the money they spent on that, worth it because that yes. time machine looks really cool. It looks very cool. The little date and year numbers, the little gold things that turn is so good. Yes. Yes. I mean, could they have used more on the more locks? Sure. <laughs> there were a little bit more of less locks. Kaboom. They needed to do that scene at night, and it would have been fine. Sure. Well, I don't know about fine, but it would have been way better. Or maybe like Signs, which came out the same, was the same year, Signs? Yes. Don't yes, show them. Just That's have exactly people right. get drugged through the, dragged through the, the grass. The corn, the cornfields, yeah. Just right. have cornfields and uh, drag people. That's all you got to do. And don't, and don't show them too much, but I do, okay, anyway, we're going back. Yes. Um, while the time machine is traveling through time. Yes. People around it can't see it or interact with it, correct? Apparently. Like, there's not just like a, an encased ball that everyone's building houses around, right? You know, I wonder, I wonder if you would see it for like the split second that it's passing through that present time. You know what I mean? Ooh. Like you kind of do like a double take, like. Or your finger, or your, or just see your fingers out there, just some disembodied <laughs> fingers growing fingernails for a couple days. Something like that. But the, I don't know if you're about to say this, but he looks out the window and sees a fashion display. Uh-huh. In a store across the street. Yep. And it's ladies' dresses on mannequins, and you could see the skirts like getting shorter over the years. I thought that was a nice touch. Yeah, that was nice. Can we talk real quick before he goes into 2030, which I'm so excited to hear your thoughts on? Yes. Just a quick stay right here on Guy Pierce. I couldn't help but think that the character he played in the beginning of the movie was very different from the character he played in the second half of the movie. Hmm. I couldn't quite tell what he was doing at the beginning. He spent a lot of time with his mouth kind of open and sort of like socially <laughs> kind of like kind of squinting eyes, mouth open. He's got kind of a distinct jawline hmm. and he kind of looks confused and like he's not so much bumbling as he is kind of like I'm a dreamer and I'm a bit of like, yeah, he's distracted. I'm not. Yeah, I'm distracted all the time. Yeah. Is what has what happened is like since the death of his fiance, has he become then he becomes kind of an action star, like 
no signs of distraction and dreaminess, just kind of a, a focused, cool-looking dude with stubble. Yeah. Tell me your thoughts on Guy Pierce. It does seem a little strange, especially when the Morlocks come the first time and he scales that windmill with seemingly no issue, you know, fights off the Morlock. That does seem out of character. You know, he didn't really have any martial arts training before then. So it does seem strange, but he still has that staring off into the distance and thinking look at times. It seems like he's super charming, though, with the Eloy people. Yeah, that is true. Well, he has less uh, chalkboards to distract him. Yeah, he's more kind of out and in it. Yeah. It just seems like he really went from like bumbling, not bumbling, but like kind of lost in a haze person who like, oh, I forgot the flowers. Oh, I'm so forgetful. (laughs) Right. To all of a sudden, he's like, built a time machine. I'm a time adventurer. Yeah, I can see that. It's a little inconsistent. And before we get too far, though, I forgot to do Romance Corner. How did you feel about him, Alexander, and Emma, his fiance? They don't have much time on screen together. They don't. But how did you feel about the relationship? Oh, Emma, I know it's right. I know we're meant to be together. It's the only thing in my entire life I've never had to think about. Oh, Alex. I didn't mind it. For the short amount that I got, I think the death of Emma was, while kind of sudden, Yes. it was pretty impactful. Like him kind of holding her in the snow or whatever. Yeah. I thought it was pretty good. I thought... I couldn't quite believe that she wanted to be with him, Mm. but I definitely believed that he wanted to be with her. What do you think? I liked them. I thought you could see the opposites attracting where she's probably the fun loving, like let's go have an adventure, do something fun. And he's the stay at home, wants to read a book thing, but they compliment each other because they enter each other's worlds and they really like each other. So, you know. She calls him professor, so at first I thought, is she a student? No, it's one of those. That's weird. Yeah. But is, do we ever see him teach? Is he ever teaching? In the very beginning, we see him in a lecture hall writing on the chalkboard. But there no, are no students. No students. <laughs> no students. And then he's at home the rest of the time. Yeah, that would have been a nice addition. You know, this movie is only 90 minutes. It's an hour and a half. You know what? Mm-hmm. Baranowski Robles 2020? Yes. Thanks for being down to 90 minutes. <laughs> Time Machine, you uh, have avoided the reapening. <laughs> I mean, I feel like it got a lot done in 90 minutes. Sure. You could have added some scenes of maybe him teaching, maybe one more romance building relationship scene at the beginning. But overall, you know, tight, tight I'm 90 so minutes. I'm so excited to get to the next romance corner because there are not one, but two. And they <laughs> are put side by side, which is great. But we'll get to that later. Okay, well, anyway, so he's in 2030. He, he stops the time machine because he, yes. he sees a digital sign that says, the future is now. And this advertising billboard has this radio announcer voice and it's talking about the moon colony and this leisure stuff you can do on the moon and all that. Mm-hmm. I think this is hilarious. This movie was made in 2002. Right. It's depicting 2030, which right. we're now just 10 years away from. Right. Number one, nowhere near having a moon colony in 10 right. years. I think that's funny. Number two, that billboard with the radio announcer type advertising felt so out of place. Hi, friends. The latest update from Lunar Leisure Living. All engineers are currently preparing for the first 20 megaton detonation to create the subterranean living chambers for lunar leisure. If it was actually 2030 and there was some large minority report style screen talking to you, advertising something, you know full well it would be some Instagram or YouTube influencer <laughs> talking about 
whatever product. You know what I'm saying? Like you wouldn't have that old timey radio stuff. Yes. It had the feel of someone who got iMovie for the first time and was like, mm. I'm going to make a, a trailer for the future. Right. And it comes with these built-in effects. <laughs> so, two, But two things I also found interesting. He runs into this jogger who then picks up a bicycle. You know, she compliments his suit or whatever, says it's retro. She uses a credit card or some sort of card to swipe and get a bike. Right. I tell you what, we don't have lunar colonies in 2030, but right. may I just say in 2019, Divi bikes are a real thing. Yes. And so that, I thought that was so interesting. They got the bike part right, not the credit card part right. Surely you would just flash your phone around there, you know, use an app. But I thought that that was so interesting that they got that bike rental, scooter rental thing, but they didn't get any kind of smartphone device. Like of all the people walking around, the people, yep. the kids in the school or the library, you know, no one has a smartphone. And I, 10 years from now, we will surely still well, have smartphones. I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to say, well, maybe a little bit longer. I think we may come a time where it's like, oh, we all held these rectangles around for a bit. How gauche. <laughs> you think we're going to have that Google Glass situation? Augmented reality? We'll get that Google Glass. Yeah. <laughs> straight to the brain. Straight to the brain stem. Yeah. But you're right. No devices. And somehow there's a thought of, well, I don't know. Maybe in New York in 10 years, they won't have cars in it. Actually, that's probably pretty accurate. I think that's probably the most accurate thing about 2030 is that in urban city centers, mm -hmm. there won't be cars available. It'll just be... Right. But no one's pedaling a bike in 2030. <laughs> no, you'll be doing the scooters. Oh yeah, you're you'll yeah, be scootering, segwaying. Like, there's no way you're going to be use any physical activity, you know, physical physical activity to get you around. <laughs> it's going to be like Wally, not in be floating around in the chair. Yeah. Exactly. So he goes into the New York Public Library, and there's a, a class or whatever, and then he runs into Orlando Jones, a holographic librarian with some sass. He's got sass. Now, I fondly remembered this character, the Orlando Jones librarian, and I still think he has good moments. I also still think he overplays sometimes, like when Guy Pierce is walking away and, he, and um, Vox is his name, but he like rolls his eyes and gives him the live long and prosper hand sign. Like Those moments are too much, but I liked this idea of it. I am a third-generation fusion-powered photonic with verbal and visual link capabilities connected to every database on the planet. A compendium of all human knowledge. I kind of wanted more of him in this movie. I remember seeing, I don't think I've ever seen this movie start to finish, but the time machine lived on for about 10 years, really strong on cable. Right. This was a, a, a staple. You could hit, do Sci-Fi Channel, TBS, TNT, <laughs> Spike, whatever. <laughs> right. Like yeah. this lived, I remember in early, we had Dish Network mm. back in the day. Oh, I, fancy. This lived on cable. It also lived in like everyone's first DVD collections. Sure. As well, because the poster art of this is burnt into <laughs> my mind. Epic. I know exactly what it looks like. Yep. <laughs> it's epic. But I remember from jumping into it on cable reruns, seeing Orlando Jones a lot. For whatever reason, that scene and the scene of him in the cave. Yes. I remember thinking to myself when I started watching this last night, oh, he's going to be a really big part of the movie. Mm. He's not really no. in this movie very much. He must have just had an impact on my teenage self. 
Yeah, and I think it was cool special effects for the time, and it did seem really futuristic, you know? I did like how they brought him back in the future, and he even says, yes, I even remember you. I remember the last book I recommended, The Homeward Angel by Thomas Wolfe. And yes, I even remember you. Time travel. Practical application. I liked that. Yeah. That was a cool thread. You know, I would have yeah. liked more shock on the face of Vox that this guy was around. He did not seem... Yeah. From going, time travel doesn't exist. Right. To, hey, you're here 800,000 years later. Guess it does exist. For some reason, I synthetically planted that interaction in the movie. And when he runs into him in the future, I was expecting Orlando Jones to be like, it's you. But he never does that. You're right. Like He, no. he never even acknowledges... <laughs> Like, huh, I guess you did time travel. (laughs) Right, yeah. Apparently, no one else time traveled between now and 800,000 years later, which statistically, well, I guess if everything fell apart in 2037, exactly when the moon crumbles apart, maybe no one got a chance to do time travel. Which I wonder, with the moon apart, I wonder if that affected the tides and all the stuff. I would guess so. I would guess something really gets messed up without the moon. One of the non-continuity things is Orlando Jones says he had like one Eloy or whatever, the, the people that live on top of the earth. Mm-hmm. Like he had one of them to talk to for years and they talked and talked. And then he says like, My, it's a little spotty right now, but he said this and that. I was like, a little spotty? Right. You're a computer. <laughs> what are you talking about? You don't have some kind of memory that fades. Right. You know the adventures of Tom Sawyer by heart, but you can't remember what right. this guy said to you? <laughs> Right. Yeah, and he even says he remembers every inquiry, and then he's you know time travel. So well, that, that guy also weird. straight up died in there. His skeletons in there. Why didn't he go back to his people? <laughs> that is true. Yeah, I don't. Sorry, Vox. We gotta start. We gotta stop talking. I need to go back to my home. <laughs> if I, I'll come back and visit, but come on, please let me go. Yeah. So anyway, that. But I did like the thread. You know, from from the past to present. So we probably need to do the second romance corner. Let's go. Okay. So. <laughs> So Guy Pierce jumps ahead. He sees he meets like these two different races, right? Um, and he runs into what is her name? Maya Mara, played by Samantha Mumba. I will eat my hat if she has been in more than ten movies. She's three years older than me. She's been in eleven. Oh man, hold on a second. I got to munch on this hat. You got a what? You, you'll get that later when you read it. Uh-huh. When You'll get the comedy of that when you listen uh-huh. to the edit. <laughs> okay. That's going to be gold later. Don't you mm-hmm. worry. Okay. 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 So he runs into Mara and her little brother. Steven, Romance Corner. Yes. Go. Uh, I was less enthused about this relationship. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Steven, what is this relationship built on? I mean, she's enamored by his uh, other timeness. She seems to understand that and, and fully accept that he's from another time and seems to have little issue with it. Best line, when are you from? Right. <laughs> That's right. good. You must do things to be safe where you come from. Well, of course. Yeah. When you come from. I, I feel like it was, I don't know about unnecessary. I mean, I don't know for the viewer do we need another relationship so he can we feel like he can be happy in the future i don't know in 2001 yeah absolutely yeah in 2002 enough. absolutely yes you do <laughs> <laughs> so fair enough so but yeah it was yeah it was weird okay so 
The interesting thing about it is that in my eyes, he went from, I didn't know how long he had been working on that time machine. I don't think I ever caught that it was four years. Oh, okay. So in my eyes, I thought your fiance just died. You've time traveled quite a bit, but I've seen you like this takes no longer than mm, two days mm. from her, di- you know, from her dying oh, I see. to this new girl. I th- in my mind, I thought a little too soon to just kind of forget about your fiance and to be with Mara. Now, four years of working on a, on a time machine. Okay. Mm-hmm. You've had a chance to kind of maybe move on. Right. But something they changed in this movie is that when he went forward in the future, when he fought Jeremy Irons and turned him to bones, and he went and saw the future, in the original cut, he saw a prosperous future with the Aloy building up their own civilization. Think Wakanda kind of oh, okay. urban, but like kind to nature sort of thing. That was the original plan. But then there wasn't enough reason for him to go back and save Mara. And to live that out, Oh! if he had gone and been like, oh, it all works out for them. All I had to do was kill Jeremy Irons. Because then he would just go back to his own time, probably. Right. So he needed to see that terrible Morlock future to be like, all right, I'm going to go live out my days with Mara, and it makes more sense. Okay. Huh. So that's, and to me, that's what holds them together, is the fact that he's like, I'm going to help them build a new civilization and remind them who Tom Sawyer is with Orlando Jones. <laughs> right. And not so much like, I can't, I have to be with the love of my life, this girl who I've known for a day. Okay. What would you do, Stephen? What would I do? What would I do if I saw that future? If you're, if you're Guy Pierce, Yes. And you live out this whole movie, at the end, if, what would you do? I mean, I don't want to sound selfish. But. <laughs> I mean, maybe. However, maybe a, I don't know, maybe a good motivation would be to try to go to like the early 2000s and work <laughs> yourself into a position to stop them from colonizing the moon. I don't know. I, f- I feel like if you went to the, to sometime in the 2000s, maybe to 2019, someone might believe you're a time traveler more. I don't know. I feel like you could prove it in some way. By having a time machine? <laughs> is probably the best way to prove it right well yeah just like say like hey watch this you know what i mean like just watch me disappear (laughs) yeah out of time give me uh the key to the white house i will go back and get abraham lincoln's uh beard oil and then i'll bring it back and then i'll prove to you that i can time travel (laughs) like like what do you say absolutely if you can actually time travel you can definitely i even the most stubborn person i could convince in 30 minutes that I was a time traveler. Here's what I would do, Nate. We've talked about time travel so much in this show. Here's what I would do. If if the future is what it is in this movie, where we colonize the moon and destroy the earth because of it, I would go to 2019, mm-hmm. get myself an iPhone 11, mm-hmm. and then go back mm-hmm. to when Steve Jobs came back to Apple uh-huh. around the late 90s. Say, this is what Apple makes uh-huh. in the future. Uh-huh. He will immediately believe that I am from the future. And then I and will they will him, work towards making that because you showed that to him. Well, that's, uh, yes, primarily. But then I, with that, okay, so here's what I'll do. So I'll take that iPhone 11. I will go to 2037, mm-hmm. take a night mode shot of the moon exploding to pieces. <laughs> and it'll be a great picture because the iPhone 11 takes great night mode shots. Brought to you by Apple. 
And then I would go back and show Steve Jobs and maybe Tim Cook, because, you know, Steve Jobs unfortunately passes away in 2011. But anyway, I would show, I would show them both and then tell them, listen, do you guys want to actually keep to continue making products into the uh, 2000s? You got to you gotta do something about this. I think they would, they, would, uh, they would take care of it. Maybe, you know what? Then you'd buy some Apple stock. <laughs> I would probably also uh, take a picture of a Tesla, go to Elon Musk, because, you know, he's got the whole SpaceX thing also. Uh-huh. I would tell Elon Musk, listen, use your billions of dollars, stop shooting monkeys into space. What you need to do is stop the moon from exploding. I feel like Elon Musk would take on that challenge. Steven, I can't. I have to be harsh with you here. I'm sorry. I just have to be. <laughs> okay. Did you learn nothing from every time travel movie you've ever seen? By trying to influence the future, you're going to bring about an apocalypse. No, the, there's already an apocalypse in the future I that's know, but, slated. I know, but it won't be the moon the moon blowing up it'll be like elon uh-huh. musk like becoming like <laughs> he the, creates his, the, his the warlord yeah like he'll create his brain control machine i'm like that's how all time travel movies work you try to avoid one disaster you create another <sighs> and to be fair humans yes. don't it's not a true apocalypse humans don't die from the the moon crumbling right. apart right they just become two separate species <laughs> Uh, I think, I don't know. See, in this movie's premise, he can't change his fiance getting shot because he only made the time machine because of that event. I feel like changing other events outside the creation of his time machine, he probably has the ability to affect. I mean, that's what the movie wants us to believe at the end. Right, we, yes. I mean, he, he assumes he changes the far future by killing all the orcs. But we don't know that, and he doesn't know but that. But like he'll he'll spend the rest of his life fighting these other like if there are more people just like Jeremy Irons. He's going to spend the rest of his life fighting off those groups, right? Yeah, that does seem kind of futile. <laughs> like he doesn't he doesn't have another time machine to blow up. So, but I mean, like it was like thirty million years in the future when the Morlocks ruled the world, you know, the Earth, and he's only got a couple left. Yeah, which I don't think I would. I guess destroying the time machine was the only way he could. It was in a plot summary that someone said like they use it was like a time slipstream bomb or something. I don't know. They used some sort of term like, "Oh yeah, we all know what that is." Use like a sped okay. up time wave or something. Oh, a time wave. Ah, a, I like that. A term. chrono wave. <laughs> I like the time wave. Somehow he outruns that chrono wave. The fact that he did not turn to bones. Yeah, that was impressive. Very fortunate. I feel like the the final fight scene with him and Jeremy Irons, you know, one, I feel like he Guy Pierce was grossly outmatched and really had no business winning that fight. Yeah, he never even poked him in his exposed back brain. <laughs> this was that scene where Jeremy Irons like that's his weak spot right there. I, I know his spine is just sitting there. I feel like there's a there's a moment when Jeremy Irons uses like telekinesis, like an X Man, to pull Guy uh-huh. Pierce to his hand. Uh-huh. I feel like if you have those powers, what are you doing? Just you should never lose. You should never lose. Yeah. Why are you just why are you hitting Guy Pierce's head on a on a valve when you can use your like uh, force powers to force choke him? Yeah. Why are you even using a knife when you can just like make him slip into madness and like <laughs> shut his brain down? Right. Like he made him hallucinate. Right. Which I thought that, w- that was kind of a nice scene where he kind of showed him what, what could have been. I mean, it's very sad, but, you know. <laughs> yeah. Jeremy Irons, top notch in this movie. <laughs> he looks super weird. <laughs> he looks super weird. 
he kind of belongs in that underworld kind of thing. Mm, I would have liked yes. if everyone looked more like him. Yeah, I think that would have Instead been of like the monsteries, like I would have liked yeah. just a stronger buff version of like albino Jeremy Irons. I think that would have been good. I feel like it would have made more sense right? with why the regular human race looked like normal humans, but the orcs look like grotesqueries. I, I think I, yeah, I think I would have be- believed that like co-evolution uh, setup to be like the humans still look you know kind of bronze and yeah and like have some sun right and everyone else looks like jeremy irons there <laughs> right anyway during that fight scene he is choking guy pierce and he's mm-hmm. he's hanging outside the bubble and then guy pierce like pushes the time machine into the future so jeremy irons yep. kind of like just turns to the skeleton and then you know dusts away okay 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 oh sorry you're going to go on no Carry no on. i mean my, my only thought is like i feel like something isn't right there with with how they've set up this time bubble yes. in the past. Yes, it, it just seems strange that that worked. Okay, that way. Here's why it's weird. Are you ready okay. for this? Oh yes, please. Picture this. Okay. We we. <laughs> I love this so much. We <laughs> see the scene from Guy Pierce's perspective, right? Yes. Take yourself outside of the time bubble. Yes. What you have here is Jeremy Irons. Yes. Kind of laying there on the ground in our regular time with his hands disappeared but he's kind of stuck there in midair for Uh, tens and uh hundreds of years and slowly aging (laughs) and guys people come into the cave and they look at him and they're like hey boss (laughs) you okay i'm fine i'm fine i'm a little stuck do you mind cutting off my hands for me hey morlock 415 Please come help me. I've been here for 30 years. Please free me. Yes, that is what's wrong. Right. Yeah, because like, he's looking. His, his brain his brain is outside of the tube. Right. Maybe his hands are, I don't know if his hands would be stuck there. Sure. I think part of it so he should just be like, I'm going to let go now. <laughs> I've been here for three days. I shouldn't, I should stop choking him, right? Well, supposedly they're over like a, a crevice like they're over some hole that's why he's hanging on you know oh like i don't i don't think he would have fallen to the floor he would have fallen down some like bottomless pit but either way instead he decided it's better to just grow old and decay well what's what's strange is he's like staring at guy pierce the whole time (laughs) but he shouldn't like guy pierce would have disappeared would that be right (laughs) wouldn't he so would he just be hanging there with nothing i don't understand like it, I don't hanging understand. there with arm stumps just right. kind of yelling guys <laughs> use your brain power and here's what i would do i use yes. my telekinesis or tele- telepathy i guess not a telekinesis I, either no telekinesis, and i would yeah, yeah. i would force my little morlock uh drones to build yes. like a world war z human ladder across exactly. it right yes and be like exactly. all right you have 10 years to build up something across this chasm to like do this. <laughs> right. And so I can drop down. I don't care if I don't have any hands anymore. Right. I didn't really need them. I have superpowers. <laughs> I'm just saying, Jeremy Irons. <laughs> he didn't he didn't work that out well. Unless uh-huh. having your hands inside of the ball made your 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 all in. Like your body's outside, but you're technically just kind of stuck with that makes more sense. Like he's part of the Guy Pierce. Yeah, but I don't buy it. Bubble. I don't buy it because I mean he's looking at Guy Pierce, so like mate, he's still part of it all. 
I get, I'm, I don't know. It's very strange because it, when things are outside the bubble, they're in real time. They're yes. not moving at the same speed yes. that the bubble I would have liked it better if his hands, only his hands were outside of them and they turned to bones. And that was like one of Guy Pierce's like plans. Right. Rather than right. his whole body and just his hands inside. Yeah. Or it would have been really creepy <laughs> if he was like, just his waist was across the threshold. Oh yeah. Darth Mauled himself. <laughs> <laughs> like, like you see, he's like choking Guy Pierce, but then he slowly just like loses consciousness because the bottom half of his body is now gone. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which that would have been even funnier. Like <laughs> the Morlocks come in the cave. Like I see half the boss. Just the back half. <laughs> hey, just, hey guys, you seen that legs? legs? <laughs> those legs up there? Hey Ralph, you recognize They're, those legs? Hey, those varicose veins are really growing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, this is terrible. Anyway, <laughs> the time machine. <laughs> anyway, there you go. I still enjoy this movie. If you haven't seen it yet, you should go watch it on Amazon Prime. Uh, okay, before we get to the rating end, I have to tell you yes. some of my overall thoughts here. Yes, please. The movie, to me, does not have a satisfying second half. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think I think Guy Pierce. We'll get to this in our top five. You don't know it yet. Mm, okay. um, mm-hmm. Guy Pierce is plays a great bad guy. Mm. Count of Monte Cristo, for example, released oh, the same yes. year. If you ever want to see a bad Guy Pierce movie, Oof, that's good. Go for that. That's a good one. He's also a great bad guy in Iron Man three. Even though that movie is not the the best. Oh, true. That's true. Guy Pierce is a good guy in here. Is I would have taken a Jim Caviezel Ooh. if we're going to switch Count of Monte Cristo people. Okay, that choice was difficult. It doesn't. The moral of the story is unclear. Right. Whether you should be time traveling or not, should be messing with things. <laughs> and the second half is just kind of like a, a kind of a bad sci-fi Planet of the Apes setup that I left this movie and the, my greatest critique is that it is an unsatisfying second half. Yeah. I am not satisfied yeah. by the end of this movie. I wasn't satisfied when it was over. I like that satisfying ending and just seeing Jeremy Irons die is not satisfying to me and him living with Mara is not satisfying to me. I would have rather have him return to his old life and like be in 1899 with some of this knowledge and like, I don't know. Mm. Mm-hmm. It didn't do anything for me the second half and that's disappointing. Yeah, I think I do agree. I, I feel like all the way through the 2030 future scenes, feel like it's pretty strong i like that first half for sure and the latter half gets a little gets a little slow at times and then the morlocks so uh the I'm most interesting thing about time travel is going back in time or going forward and like it being interesting and people are you know you're trying to convince people you're a time travel like that's the interesting stuff yeah jumping ahead eight hundred thousand years it, you you're not time traveling you're just like you're like an astronaut yeah, you're going to a different planet. Right. And that at that point in time, like the fun of like meeting your old self or changing the past, that all goes away. And it's more about like these two species coexisting on this new planet that may as well not be Earth. Yeah, that's true. And so the the fun of time travel is goes away after he tries to rescue his fiance. And then it just becomes an astronaut story. Mm. Journey to the center of the earth style. Jules Verne. Right. All right, I hear you. I don't know if it's going to deter my rating, though. <laughs> Do you? I mean, you like the way this movie ends. Like, you like the whole he uh, destroys the time machine, he kills the Morlocks, and then he just like 
lives and takes off his vest and just kind of lives with the Henley from then on. <laughs> he pulls a Hugh Jackman. Yeah. I will say I'm, it's not a great ending, but it's enough of an ending to be satisfying for me. Again, I think rose-colored glasses play a part here. I just, I don't know. This is one of those movies that unreasonably I just really, really liked. And so even upon rewatching, I'm like, yeah, it's not great, but I still really okay. enjoy it. Okay. I would love to hear how you would rate this movie on a scale of zero to five lockets. Mm. The locket that gets bumped out of the bubble and disintegrates mm-hmm. into little pieces. Mm-hmm. Nate, how would you rate this movie? I'm going to give the 2002 The Time Machine a two out mm-hmm. of five. Mm-hmm. Okay. Don't not watch it. I think it's okay. Like I said, as part of Baranowski Robles 2020 platform, mm-hmm. it's 90 minutes. Right. If it was two hours or two hours 15, I would say, nope. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> That's past the Rubicon. Yeah. It's an hour and a half. There are TV shows episodes just as long. That's right. So I would say watch it. I'm not sure if it's... We've talked about other interesting things that lead to more interesting stories and discussions. Right. This one does not. And I don't understand. Like, Guy Pierce is kind of... I don't understand, understand what he's doing in this movie. <laughs> so, Jeremy Irons is great. Yeah. Go see Jeremy Irons. That's about <laughs> it. Guy Pierce also has his, like, lady of the house. Her name is Mrs. Watch It. <laughs> yes. But I liked her. I'll leave you with that. And Jeremy Irons is called the Uber Morlock. This is before Uber. Yes, that was... So. <laughs> That was in the character name, yeah. Well, I'm going to lean on the rose-colored glasses, and I'm going to give it a three. I'm going to give it a three. Mm. I think being 90 minutes mm-hmm. justifies the viewing a little more. Yep. It's on Amazon Prime, so you could just go and watch it. I still feel like the first half is strong enough to... You should genuinely enjoy it. Like I think it's an enjoyable movie. I like the music. Uh, there's a couple moments like especially the music while he's going forward in time uh the first time to 2030 and some of the other orchestral pieces like i don't know i actually like the music in this movie i don't know you want to see what happens to him in my opinion so i would say three three lockets for the time machine wonderful i need to tell you something that i just discovered Yes. This will make you love this movie even more. Okay. Simon Wells, the director, as we t- discussed earlier, the great-grandson of H.G. Wells. Yes. Also directed The Prince of Egypt. Yes. 1998. Yes. I did see that in the, somewhere in the IMDb before we recorded, and I was like, what? That, yeah, seems so strange. He also but, directed ooh. two other movies that are deep poles, but play, have somehow have great influence over my life, and that is... An American Tale, colon, Fievel Goes West in 1991. Right. right. And We're Back, exclamation point, a dinosaur story. <laughs> so good. Yes, I thought that was very cool. Listeners, we're back to t- doing top fives. That's right. Sorry for getting away from it, but we're back. <laughs> I think Jacob has an irrational fear. <laughs> we'll go behind the paywall soon, and he will never again hear top five. Don't worry. Top fives will not go behind the paywall. Yeah. This is for the for everyone, not just the board of directors. 
So here's what we're doing today. Yes. I believe that Guy Pierce is one of several actors and actresses who does his best work as a villain. And it's, I have to work extra hard to think of him as a good guy. Mm. So what I would like to do right now is to do a top five of actors or actresses, I guess actresses, unisex, actors that should only play villains. Mm. And if they ever do play a hero, it's odd or strange. Okay. Just their general presence makes you think, oh, bad guy. Sort of like how Ben Kingsley was in Prince of Persia. Right. I get that. Now, now you have just sent me a YouTube video with the title, <laughs> How to Pronounce, and then a certain name here. Yes. I, I have not listened to it yet, so I'm, I'm going to play it now. <laughs> it's just, so do you know who that actress is, Helena Bonham Carter? Yes, she's actually on my list. Oh, okay. Excellent. <laughs> I, ha- I wanted to look up because I wasn't quite sure how to say if it's Helena or Helena. Yes. So this is my first YouTube video I found while we were researching this top five. Okay, here we go. Handelta Brosif Kotye. That's terrible. <laughs> okay. Some people just want to watch the world burn. <laughs> not okay. helpful at all. Not, not helpful at all. Uh, okay. It's very hard for me to rank these. It's hard to rank. Now, I do have one question. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Before we get into it, there's one actor <laughs> on one of the lists, Robert Lasardo. Uh huh. He's he's got he's covered in tattoos all over his body. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Does he have a tattoo of himself on his neck? Did I see that right? <laughs> Real? No, no, that's definitely not. No, Nate. I don't think it's him. No, it's not him. Nate, are you kidding me? It's not him. The goatee is exactly the same. The eyebrows are in exactly the same position. It's probably a brother or They're both bald. Their jawline is exactly the same. Nope. He even, the tattoo of himself on his own (laughs) neck also includes the tattoo of Jesus with a crown of thorns that is on his literal neck and on the tattooed version of himself on his own neck. (gasps) Yes, Nate. No. No, no way. Okay. (laughs) Pause everything. To the computer portrait of himself in the middle you're right nate (gasps) nate what in the world he did tattoo his own face on his neck this this man tattooed himself on his own neck now wait a minute if he was going to really be accurate should he also tattoo a portrait of himself on the tattoo (gasps) of a portrait of himself it's lasardo's all the way down Thank you. Thank you. Nate. I would have put it on the back of my neck so that I'm watching my own back. I wouldn't put it anywhere on my body. Why? A picture of yourself? Why would you do a self-portrait right under your own chin? No, you do that so that when someone's shaving your face, they know what you're, what you're going oh, for. Oh, so when you go to it's the barber, you don't have to say anything. style, right. Oh, I see. Exactly. It's almost like if I were to be like, hey, um... I have Vin Diesel tattooed on my neck so you can know like at what level to trim my hair to. Nate, I want you to think about something for a second. Every time this man wakes up, goes into the bathroom to brush his teeth and looks in the mirror, he sees two of himself in the mirror. Just think about that that for a second. Interesting. Okay, Stephen, where... (laughs) Okay, all right. Stephen, you have to tattoo your own face on your body, Okay. (laughs) 
You have to. This is a would you rather. You oh, and it has terrible. to be larger than a softball size of your face. It could be bigger. Oh, wow. Wow. Where would you put it? <sighs> Nate, I would put it in a place where no one would ever see it. That seems like crazy. Okay, but hold on. What you just said doesn't make any sense. Because someone will see it. Married Stephen Robles. Well, listen, if she understands that I was under duress and I was required to do this ridiculous This is my upper thigh face. (laughs) Upper thigh? Not even. I would put that thing on my rear end. No question. So even when I'm showering, I don't have to see it. Like, I would never. Like, why? Why would you do that? You know what's going to be weird, Nate? 30 30 years from now? That man's going to be old. 800,000 years from now, right? <laughs> no, no. 30 years from now. He's going to have to stare his young self in the mirror. No, you yeah. have to age your own tattoo. Picture of Dorian Gray. Oh. Uh, you have to be like, hey, do you mind putting, I know this is embarrassing, but can you put some crow's feet on there? <laughs> Nate, that, how bad of an idea would it be if you were actually Dorian Gray <laughs> instead of a physical <laughs> painting? You had portrait of yourself tattooed on your own neck. Although it gets older and you stay f- and you stay young, that's fine. It'll be like it'll look like it's your grandpa. But all someone has to do is hold up a mirror and then you die. What I'm saying is, oh right, because you can't look at your own portrait, right? But if you that's were, a, that's where the butt cheek portrait they, they, comes <laughs> in. That's exactly what I was saying. That actually might be the most genius move if you were Dorian Gray. Right. There's no set of mirrors that can make that work. <laughs> you would need like four mirrors at the perfect <laughs> angle. And you like no one's ever going to do the that. perfect crime. Yeah, it wouldn't happen. So maybe. You want to see the, the crypt keeper. Nate, I just cannot get over that this man has a tattoo of himself on his own neck. I, don't... I could not believe that was himself. Like the fact that that is something. Well, I guess it kind of inspires you to be like, look at the younger version of yourself and be like, what would he think? Of Nate, this don't even situation? try to justify this nonsense. No, this I'm trying to ridiculous. make it be like a wise decision. No, no, just no. Oh, my word. Look me in the eyes. My eyes are up here. No, the other <laughs> eyes. Anyway, however, right, let's actually do this top five. He is not in my Whew. top five. That, that tattoo. Ugh. Anyway, also, listener. If you don't look at your podcast player while you're listening, which you might be driving, it's all I understand, but I'm going to put Robert Lasardo as the chapter artwork for our top five. And so if you would like to see a picture of this man on his own neck, please look at the chapter art now. Well, let's go back and forth. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to do this. Honorable mention time. Oh, I, I have none. Guy Pierce, Glenn Close, Hugo Weaving, mm-hmm. Jessica Lang. Hmm. Christopher Walken. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, Jessica Lange, uh, I really have only seen her recently in advertisements for American Horror Stories. Oh, my word. Okay. And those are so creepy mm. that she gets on my honorable mentions just for that. <laughs> okay. Very good. Well, I'm going to give you my number five. Number five. My number five is Danny Trejo. Mm-hmm. Now you would absolutely recognize this man if you saw him from Machete. You might know my name. He is from Machete, and he's been in a bunch of other movies. But listen, he's he's a he's a good-looking man. But let me just say his his face is very distinguished. And uh, what's a what's a good word for it? Hardened. Yeah, 
It is a it is a very rugged face. Grizzled. Grizzled. Yes. <laughs> Grizzled, yes. It's a great look, but very clearly the look of a bad guy. Yes. Like yes. I would I would be hard it pressed is, to see him as a hero. I think the the thought experiment to do during this top five when we say these names is to think about in what way they could play a good person in a movie, a hero. Right, that'd be good. I'm gonna maybe I'm gonna use this Danny Trejo in a comedy as a single dad. <laughs> no, no, no. Trying to figure something out. I'm I'm going to use this single criteria if whether or not he could play a good guy, and that is if he could somehow be the sacrifice self sacrificial side character in a movie that gives his own life for mm. the main character hero. Now I could see Danny Trejo doing something like that. You know, maybe there's yeah, that's why he's number five and not number th- one. Exactly right. That's exactly right. So I could see him as that. But anyway, Danny Trejo is my number five. Perfect. What's yours? My number five is Malcolm McDowell. Mm. Google okay. that for a second. He was right. in as a young man, he was in Clockwork Orange. As an old man, he was in Star Trek Generations, I believe. Oh, yes, yes, yes. He's, again, he, he probably could be redeemable. He probably could be sacrificial, but he's got the face yes. of kind of an evil genius. <laughs> yes, he does. It's a good look. It's a good look. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, my number four is Helena Bonham Carter, the English actress. I remember her. And I don't know if you've ever saw this. But there was an old TV movie, Merlin. Yeah. Do you remember that? And it was starring Sam, Sam Neill. Neil. Sam yes, Neill was Merlin. from Jurassic Park. Yes. This was on TV, it seemed, semi-often. And I think we recorded yes. it on VHS. Because something about this movie, I loved this movie. Yes. Uh, just the epic. Martin Short is in this movie. Um, it is a Jacob Baranowski favorite, by the way. Is it? Yes. Well. That might be the next time he's on. We should talk about <laughs> Merlin. But we'll only put it behind the paywall. <laughs> so he can't even listen to his own podcast. That's the role that I remember her being in the most. But she'd been in other roles, good and bad. But I definitely see her as, a, as an evil character. Wonderful. She is also my number four. Helena. Helena. Ooh. Helena Bonham Carter. Right. Uh, for me, you haven't watched Harry Potter, but Bellatrix Lestrange. Mm. She is a bad lady in that. It is fantastic. She is also, I know you also haven't seen this movie. She's also what, the wife, the innkeeper wife from Les Mis. Okay, I saw that in her credits. You are little soft. Pass a little soft. Miss Thenardier. Yes. Well, my number three is Dennis Hopper, mm. the mm. villain from Speed and famously Super Mario Brothers. He was King Koopa. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Waterworld. Also famously Waterworld. <laughs> also that too. One day we should do that Super Mario Brothers movie, Nate. Yes. Oh, man. Those, that terrified my child brain. It was very troubling. Uh-huh. But Dennis Hopper, we are now entering the upper part of the list where I could not see him as a good guy. Has he ever played a good guy? Who knows? I don't even know. But he, I would be hard-pressed to see him as a good guy. He's got that Absolutely. face and the swagger. Everything of an yep. evil villain. Yeah. For sure. My number three is Tim Curry. Tim Curry was an excellent side villain in Home Alone 2, Lost oh, in yes. New York. Yes. Um, yes. But also, I think he was in what, the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Uh, yes. Adam's Family, I believe he was the dad. 
Yep. He's just that face, that <laughs> smile. And it's like, I don't know if I should feel bad for him because he's probably typecast as a villain his whole life. Right. But I think he embraced. I don't feel as bad because I feel like successfully during his career, he hopefully turned that into a, a very strong monetary gain throughout his life. But um, sure. Tim Curry, it'd be tough to see him as a hero. Yes, I agree. He's got that look. Well, my number two is Robert Nepper. I first saw him or knew of him maybe from the Prison Break series mm. in which he was an excellent villain character. He was also in movies like uh, The Hunger Games, I believe the third one. But his face and acting... Oh, yeah. You know, whatever, whatever he does, he just has that villain look. Like, I, I could not see him as a good guy. Right. Like, he, it's not like a crazed look or a super hardened look but it's definitely that sneaky look of this guy is up to something he will 100% stab you in the back when you're not looking <laughs> this dude is trouble right yeah thank you very good one um all right my number two dennis hopper oh there you go so i'm with you there i would say dennis hopper as far as top five i'm talking top five villains of any movie all time i would put him in speed as one of the best villains yeah that's pretty good it's a great mixture of genius kind of a maniacal and yet like i know like not so over the top that it's like you know super like mario right right sort of craziness yeah but dennis hopper as like a disgruntled guy who's turned into a bomber is top notch yeah it was very good all right well my Number one, Javier Bardem. Mm. He is the villain in Skyfall, mm-hmm. one of your favorite 007 movies. Boo. He's also in Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales, and a bunch of other movies. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I find him to be a great bad guy. And after Skyfall, I was like, I don't know if I could see him in a good role again. He is extremely troubled in that movie. So he's my number one. He is not on my list. Okay. But my number one, I am so confident in it that I think that you will have to rejigger your list to include this man. Oh boy. Okay. I'm ready. Are you ready? Yes. Willem Dafoe. Oh, shoot. Willem Dafoe. That's a good point. Wasn't he? He was an Aquaman, wasn't he? Yeah. Willem Dafoe is great as a villain. I think his Green Goblin performance in Spider-Man 1, again, might be one of, like, it's overdone, superhero villain kind of version of overdone. Yes, in a good way. His kind of smile, he was in, I believe he was in Speed 2. Oh. On a boat this time, or whatever Mm. that was. Right, right. I, I have seen maybe three of his movies that he's ever been in, ever. Uh, but I can't. Oh, okay. I guess he was kind of a good guy in Aquaman. Right. Kinda. But uh, you thought he but was a bad the guy. The reason the whole time. he was in there is because they <laughs> want you to think he's a bad guy. Yeah, exactly. That's why he was cast. Yes. Yes. I agree. A, a very um, also clear and present danger with Harrison Ford. Anyway, Willem Dafoe is my number one. Well, I, I will retroactively put him in my honorable mentions. Okay. He, you don't think he he breaks top five? Okay, he might he might, but I would have to do so much rejiggering that I I'm, I'm going to leave mine as is. Okay, I might have no, I don't know. I still I still feel good about mine. I feel like Danny Trejo 
he's got to stay on there, even as number five, because of that look. Okay. But, uh, but yeah, but no, that was a, that's a good, that's a good number one. He's a good Green Goblin. Um, Steven? Yes. Did we just record a podcast longer than the movie we re- are reviewing? Well, if you include our Patreon, yes, you are correct. <laughs> but that's fine because- We broke our own rule. We're making we up created for, good art. That's right. We were making up for a missed week also. Absolutely. So you're welcome, listeners. You're welcome. Steven? Yes. Thanks for coming today for Movies in the Side. Um, it just, I don't think we're going to have time to review the time machine. What? If only we could go back in time and mm. review it. But I just don't think we're going to have an episode for today. Um, but for those who are here with us, uh, so sorry we couldn't record an episode for you. This uh, is Movies in the Side. We'll catch you next week. Sorry we couldn't review this mediocre movie. Lucky for you, I've spent the last four years scribbling on a chalkboard. What? And suddenly, out of thin air from all that scribbling, has come a time machine. All right, well, let's, we need to go back like an hour. Oh, just an hour? Well, unless you want to change the world. (laughs) But I think we should just record our podcast. Maybe we'll go back in time and warn that guy not to tattoo his own face on his neck. (laughs) I don't know who you're talking about. Oh, right. Good point.
walking down the street with you again. Oh, we took a walk three days ago. Well, not like this. Never like this. 